my first time here. Hope it's not my last. And a couple of things he didn't tell you about me. So let's let's get acquainted a little bit. Um, and that is, my church is in Alabama, but I'm from Louisiana. Um, I'm I'm a Cajun, everybody. All right. Let me tell y'all what that means. That means, I mean, you probably ain't going to learn nothing, but you're going to have a good time, all right? So that's, there are nine reality shows on television right now about Cajuns, and it ain't because they smart, it's because they fun. So, um, so anyway, so we're going to, as we Cajuns say, we'll pass a good time together. And, um, and then another thing I didn't tell you is that I've been married almost 30 years. Come on, somebody. And Yeah, I know it doesn't look like it. Some of y'all think he looks 30. I know, and I, I appreciate that. I got, got married at 12, and glory to God. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, been married to my wife 30 years, and we, and we, have, we have five kids, everybody. And uh, I know. I heard a little mumble going on out there. I know. I'm fully aware that's a lot. <laughs> I had a guy actually walk up to me after speaking, and he just wanted to say hi after the service. He said, man, five kids. He said, that's a lot of kids. He said, you must really like kids. I said, no, I don't. I really like my wife. Come on, somebody. So That's a different message, though. We ought to, we ought to, you ought to bring me back. I got something to say about all that. So, But anyway, but I instead, instead, uh, I am, I'm on assignment today from your pastor. So this only happens probably 20, 30% of the time you go speak somewhere. Do they tell you, like, talk about this? They usually just leave it up to you to do a, a and he just said, look, Chris, I really want you to talk about something that's very near and dear to me personally and to our church. And I think it's becoming something that we are known for as a church, and that's prayer. And, um, and, and I love talking about prayer because it's one of those things that everybody knows they need to do, but very few people enjoy it very much. And, and one of my passions is to make Christianity not something you know you're supposed to do, but something that you actually enjoy. That's one of my deepest passions. And I want to talk to you about that a, a little bit today. And I, I think this will not only inspire you, but also um, it'll, it'll, it probably won't even teach you a lot of things you didn't already know, but it's going to help you make it become a reality. And I, and I want to do that with us today. And to do that, I want, to, I want to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, everybody, if you have your your Bibles or your iPhones or your iPads or you have your eyelids for the screens, all right? So we'll, look, I'm going to make y'all laugh today. I guarantee told y'all that, all right? So Luke chapter 18, verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should, read the next six words aloud with me, that they should always pray and, come on, real loud, every campus, come on, every other campus as well, that they should always pray and and never give up. just want to just throw that thought in your mind right there, that we should always pray, and then when it doesn't seem like it's working, never give up. Always pray, never give up. What a great line by our Lord. Now, for a lot of people, um, that was hard to understand, just like it is for us today, or actually do, so he told a story. Jesus often, he often illustrated spiritual truths by stories. I love telling stories. That's part of the Cajun culture. We're, we love, we're big storytellers, and so, but it helps us understand truths. And he says, and there was a judge in a certain city. So this is a true story. When he says a certain, he's not making it up. Several of the stories Jesus gave us, he made them up. This one's when he says certain, that's a person, okay? So there was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Not a very good judge, okay. And a widow of that same city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in a dispute I have with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while, but he finally said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. Come on, man, there's your verse right there. <laughs> Sorry, there, just kidding. Okay, 
<laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Come on, man, you got yourself a verse. Put that on the refrigerator. It's in the Bible. It's in the No, okay. <laughs> I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's about to wear me out with her constant request. Now, Jesus is telling this story and using it as an illustration of, of what you should do. That's just interesting to me that he would use that example to teach us about prayer. She's driving me crazy. I'm, I'm not answering her prayer because, you know, I like her or even think she's right. She's just driving me crazy. She's about wearing me out with constantly asking. And then Jesus said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. He can actually, this, this story could teach us something, he said. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So it worked out. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? One, one, one verse in 1 Thessalonians says, pray continually. <laughs> one translation says, pray without ceasing. That's one of the easiest verses to memorize. N never stop praying. Never stop praying. He says, well, I keep putting them off. I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. And then he asks a question that I want to ask of you. But when the Son of Man will he comes, will he find this kind of faith? In other words, I'm going to come back. I'm looking for a church that actually believes this. So when I come back, will I? Will I find people who believed this simple truth? Now, my job today is very simple. Is I want to stir that in you uh, and always pray never give up kind of a lifestyle and it's a lot easier than you think unless you're raised in church and you probably have some things in your mind about prayer that mess that whole thing up in fact I, I grew up in the baptist church i've never missed a sunday in church in my entire life my dad played organ in the church so if you was throwing up you got a bag and went to church come on somebody so that's just that's how I was raised, and so you just didn't miss. And by the way, that's too date. Just never miss. I've never missed a Sunday in church in my life ever. And uh, it's and 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 growing up in church, they had they had prayer types things things that we did for prayer. You know, like y'all remember circle prayer? Remember everybody getting a circle? And 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 the, and the, and the Sunday school teacher says, you know, we're all gonna pray. I'll start, and then and then when I'm done, I'm gonna squeeze your hand, and then it's your turn. Right, and then you pray, and when you're done, you squeeze the hand, and you send it to the next person. And we're gonna we're gonna do circle prayer. Well, the first time I got one of those circles, man, you know, you start thinking about your what you're gonna say. You ain't listening to them pray. You're thinking about your own prayer, right? Like what, my Lord? And then they, and then sure enough, they gonna pray what you thought of, right? Like that was my material. Don't ah, you know. So you can't repeat it, or you look like a copy. Like it's it's terrible. So the first time I was in it, man, everybody's praying my material, and I'm already freaking. I'm sweating and nervous. So when it got to me, they squeezed my hand. I just squeezed it right on around. Squeeze, squeeze, you know. Send that bad boy. I ain't, no, there ain't nothing else to say, you know. And just hard. It's just, I, honestly, I always knew I was supposed to pray. I just didn't like it. And like, like most of us, we, we, have, we have defining moments in our life. And my defining moment for prayer happened when I was on staff at my home church in Louisiana. My pastor sent me to go study a church in Bogota, Colombia, in South America. Now, this church was famous because they, they had over 100,000 people in church, like 130,000 people in church, and everybody, everybody in the church in small groups. They had 30,000 small groups in the city. So we were a small group church. At that time, they called it a cell church, and so... Uh, he said, I want you to go to Bogota and study this church. And so I got on a plane, flew down there, and, and met the architect of their small group movement 
which happened to be the youth pastors, the guy who kind of created the systems and the curriculums and how they train leaders and all that. So I go in there to talk to him to figure out, like I'm on assignment from my pastor to figure out how to do this stuff. So I, got, I came with a yellow pad full of questions, you know, so I had like, how long? How long are your meetings, you know, and how often do you meet and what kind of curriculum and how do you train your leaders? Like I had questions. And so I get in there and this guy's name was Cesar Fajardo. And we're in this big empty room with two folding chairs right in the middle. It's kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I don't hablo no espanol. Y'all know what I'm talking about, everybody? Like I don't, I don't speak nothing. And like I barely can do English, you know. So anyway, and, and then and he didn't speak English. So we had a little girl who's a translator. And so it's three chairs. And so I'm sitting there. We exchanged a few pleasantries. Hello, you know. Good to see you. All right, let's get. And you could tell he's in a full suit, white shirt, tie. You know, he's, he's look, kind of looking at his watch like, let's get this over with. And like, okay, I'm, so I'm thinking, let's, let's get with it. And so I start off with the easy question. I was just like, all right, uh, ask him this. Uh, how long, how, like the length of the cell group meetings, like every week, how, how, long, how long do they last? Just, just ask him that. And what is it about his little You know, it's just it was you know it's about as right. It was about as long as my question was. And and then I'm not making this up. He's like going after it, veins pointing his finger at me, just mad looking, just and she's translating as fast as she can, and he's preaching to me like I'm lost, like. Get saved, repent, you sinner. I'm like, what in the world is going on here, you know? I'm thinking, so I'm thinking morning devotions. He just wants to preach first. I'm, so I, I'm like, mm, oh, glory, adios. Mm, good stuff, man. Mm. I'm like trying to communicate, you know, because I don't, hablo no espanol. And so anyway, so I was like, yeah, so, so good, so good. Bueno, bueno. That's just good stuff, man. Just. And so he finishes, and I'm like, I tell, tell him, tell him, that was good. That was really, that was good. And um, I said, but find out for me, if you don't mind, how long your small group <laughs> lasts, meetings. I said, you understand that? I said, I said what? T you tell me what I just asked you. She said, you want to know how long our cell groups last? Yes, say that. Say that to him. <laughs> so she does. Put it on. Real short, because this question's real short. The answer should have been like an hour. <laughs> you know, like, it shouldn't have been a lot. Round two, baby. I mean, like preaching, veins. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And it, and it dawns on me, um, he, he don't want to talk about how long their small group meetings last. How many of y'all figured, yeah, it took me twice, but I am from Louisiana. Give me a break. You know, like, he don't, he don't really want to talk about this because he understands the question. So as a gesture, I put my yellow pad underneath my chair to like, okay, to let him know I'm, I'm on your Let's do what you want to talk about because you don't want to talk about what I want to talk about. So let's, let's do what you want to do. And so when, when he finished preaching the second time, I said, I obviously have asked the wrong question. So let, let, here's my new question. What should I have asked? And then he smiles. First time I kind of broke through the barrier because he didn't like me at all up to that point. But I did get saved. <laughs> anyway, but uh, he, he's, he's, he said, you think you can go back to America and 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 take our curriculum or have meetings the length that they are and you're going to have this kind of success? You think that's what made it successful? You think how long our meetings are was what made it successful? 
And I'm like, okay, I get that. So what made it successful? And he starts talking about how they had spiritually mapped Bogota. Like what I mean by that is got a map and like found demonic strongholds in areas like prostitution here, drugs here, witchcraft here. And, and then they strategically mapped it and then prayed over it and then prayer walked it in that kind of way. Like he said, the, the youth group, 30,000 teenagers just came off of a 40-day fast. He said, this is why, like, you think it's, it's in how long our meetings are? He says, no, no, no. And then he said this phrase to me that haunted me. It changed me. It marked me forever. It was literally a defining moment. He said, he said you need to win the war in the spiritual. There's another dynamic going on, another realm that the Bible describes very much, and I knew that. He says, you, that's where you've got to win the war. I remember flying back on the airplane back to, from Bogota to Miami, just taking notes. And I really had a God moment there where I, I just made a decision. But for the rest of my life, I would mark every part of my life by winning the war in the spiritual first. In fact, when we train church planners, um, we train them in about three days. The first thing we teach them is that God will give you every place you set your foot if you'll seek. Like if you'll pull down the strongholds over that area. Y'all with me, everybody? I, I mean, so just learning this, well... I decided that in every area of my life, every area, my kids, my wife, my, my day, my year, like everything would be marked by that. So today at Highlands, like we have a, a, almost 30% of our groups are prayer groups, people all across the city praying. In every service, we have people praying over the services. Every Saturday before our services, we have thousand people gather for prayer. Every, every beginning of the year, we have 21 days of prayer to, to, to tithe our time for the year. Say, God, we're going to first pray. We're going we're gonna to first pray. So we give 21 days. And this past year, Pastor Herbert, we had 13,000 people getting up at 6 a.m. to seek God for 21 days. And just, yeah, so... And honestly, a lot of pastors come to me, and, and they, want what they, they want what we have, but they don't want to do what we do. So I'm just saying, sometimes you've got to realize there is another war going on in the spiritual. And that's why Jesus looked at his, his disciples and said, Look, guys, I need to teach you all something before I, before I go to heaven. That is, you need to always pray and never give up. Don't ever forget the dynamic that is going on in the spiritual. And that prayer, here's my little, here's my message in a sentence. That prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. Now, for me, prayer, <laughs> prayer was, I'm going to go do what I think is right. And then when it messes up, I'm going to say, oh, God, help me. That was, I, had, I had 911 prayers. I had fire escape prayers, you know. And, and that's what a lot of times we, we, we want to act first and then God bail us out. But instead, instead, what would it look like if we, what would it look like if we, we just simply pray first. Just pray first. If, if I gave this message a title, it'd simply be pray first. So pray first. What does that, what does that mean? That means when you wake up, pray first. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same two words. Y'all want to help me, everybody? Like when you wake, when you wake up in the morning, we're going to yeah, pray first. And so before we let our kids walk out the door to school, we're going to. Yeah, so before we take that phone call, we're going to. Before we respond on that text message, we're going to. The people on the other end of your text messages would appreciate it if you would pray first. <laughs> before I have that appointment, I'm going to pray first. Before, before I go to bed, I'm going to pray first. What would it look like if I didn't pray? What if it would look like I didn't just try to make prayer this event, this one hour, this? What if it, just, what if it was just a sentence here and there all day long? Maybe that's what pray continually actually meant. 
That it wasn't this, oh yeah, we're going to the prayer meeting or this is my necessarily just my prayer time. But in every situation of my life, I'm going to pray first. Before I take the medicine, take the medicine. I'm not against it. I take it too. But I'm going to pray first. What would it look like if that's our first response, not our last resort? Well, I'm going to tell you what would happen. Your life would be completely different. Your kids would be completely different. Your family would be completely different. It would change everything. In fact, Pastor Herbert, I, I learned this. I don't do much of the counseling at our church anymore, but back in the day when I did some counseling, I learned this greatest technique ever. Like they'd come in mad at each other, these couples, ready to, you know, just kill each other. And like, we're going to talk about it. I know y'all have issues. We're going to pray first. And they look at me like, I don't feel like praying. I'm gonna, oh, can we punch first? I mean, I want to punch first. Like, like, you know, we're going to pray first. And I say, sir, why don't, you, why don't you just pray? Would you just do this? And I know you don't feel like it. And I know you don't want to touch her, but I want you to grab her hand. I want you to, I want you to just pray for her. And if you, don't, if you don't feel anything, pray what you think Jesus would want to pray over her. And the man, I want you, now he's done, I want you, I'm telling you, 80% of the time, there's like, we done, we fine. We ain't got nothing else to say. We got it. Come on, somebody, y'all out there? It just makes all the difference in the world. Now, you knew that. You, it's not like I told you anything new. It's just we, we get out of the habit of that. You know, there's some messages that should teach you something you didn't know, and there's others that ought to remind you of things that you stopped doing. Well, that's, one, that's, that's this one today. And I'm not the best preacher in the world. Y'all come back for Robert Madu. We just had him at our church. Yeah, the paint color is going to be different in this room after that day. The dude's going to preach the paint off the wall. He, I'm not really a preacher. I'm a teacher. I like to make things that are difficult simple. I want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one, all right? <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give you three things. that I studied Jesus' prayer life. I saw three things in his life. And it's just this simple. And that is that Jesus had a certain time. He had a time. So he just got up. He had a time. And for him, it was usually very early in the morning. That's when, and that, by the way, I recommend, I recommend that because, because the first thing set precedence. Can I get a better amen, somebody? Let me sit this way. Whatever you do first is probably what you really worship. Which, by the way, is why we come to church on the first day of the week. We're not just coming to church. We're declaring that the next six days are covered by the fact that we declared you as our Lord on the first of those days. I love that. I love what it communicates to God. By the way, that's what our tithe is all about. Our tithe is not about an amount of money. A tithe is about declaring to God, before I spend on anything else, I'm giving to you first because I want your blessing over. It's, it's, it's more about the priority than it is the amount. I'm telling you. And that's why here we are on the first Sunday. It's, you've got an opportunity, I think, today. If you already missed it, I'm sure, I'm sure there's places you can still participate in that if you want to, all right? But I'm just saying, I, in, in my house, in my house, Tammy and I give together. We write our check to the church we, we, we go to, you know, the church I lead, I, I, we just, we, we sit down together and it's a, there's a free spending freeze until that's, that check is written. Like you, we ain't spending nothing because we want God to know that he's first. He's first. So anyway, just, it's the first thing. Jesus first, a certain time. What would it look like if you had God on, God on your schedule? What would it look like if you made an appointment? What would it look like if you got your phone and went through your calendar and like made God appointments? Even if it's just for three minutes, God, I'm giving you this first. He had a certain time. Second thing is he had a place, a certain place, a place. I think the place is important. Jesus went off, Mark chapter 1 says, he went off to a solitary place. So he had a spot. 
For me, that's the basement. I'm a pacer prayer. I got maps, charts, people's faces, pictures, boombox, loud worship. <sighs> that's my style. My wife's, my wife's prayer place is in her closet. Her prayer closet is her closet. She's sitting there. She ain't got but like one foot square because she's covered in shoes everywhere. And, and she's in there. And she ain't, that ain't loud. She's in there. I walked in one time, and she's, she's doing this. I said, baby, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, no, this is, this is fun for me. I'm like, I don't understand you women, all that dab in the eyes. You know, Lord Jesus. She's praying for us. and That's just her style. But, she, but there's a place, a place. I want to encourage you to get a time. Try it for one week. Get a time. Make, put God on your appointment for one week. A time, a place, and a plan. Like, go into it with, here's what I'm going to talk about. And they said, Chris, why do you do that? Because Jesus told us that. Luke 11, the disciples came and they said, Jesus, Jesus had to pray. Now, by the way, they knew how to pray. They just didn't, know how, to, they didn't have, know how to pray in a way where they could have fun. So what they were really saying is, Jesus, teaches how to pray like you do because it looks like you're having fun. And Jesus says, okay. When you pray, say, and then we get what we call today the Lord's Prayer. Which, by the way, this might bust your bubble a little bit. It's not a prayer. And it's okay to pray it. I pray it. But it was intended to be an outline for prayer. There are seven phrases in it. Pray the outline. Our Father who art in heaven. Connect to him relationally first. So, Lord, thank you for being a father to me. I'm so grateful to be your son. Like, embellish it a little bit. Then go to the next part. I, you're, I, I'm, I'm going to... Hallowed be your name. Start worshiping his name. Lord, thank you. You're my healer. Thank you. You're my righteousness. You're my sanctifier. You're my protector. You're my peace. Like, take some time there. Are you getting it, everybody? So that's the plan. Like, then your kingdom come, your will be done. Let's pray his agenda before we pray ours. That's just nice. <laughs> that's what you do. So we pray. What's on his heart? Souls. Oklahoma City. He just cares for people who just... We're going to pray for what's on his heart. Then give me this day my daily bread. Pray your agenda next. And then, then forgive us our trespasses. So free me where I've sinned as I forgive those who sinned against me. And by the way, that's in your everyday prayer. You'll be a lot happier person if you would forgive people every day. Every day. I, I heard pa uh, Pastor Paul Yonggi Cho, pastor's largest church in the world. He, he teaches this Lord's Prayer outline. <laughs> And I heard him speaking on it. He has a million people in his church. How I many y'all know we should probably listen to him? Yeah. And so, he, he, little short Korean guy. He goes, every day I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. <laughs> like, I'm with you, bro. I hate them too. Yeah, I'm with you. So, like, forgive every day. Just what it looked like in advance, God. I'm just going to forgive every person who hurts me today. See, this is just have a plan. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to stir up prayer back in you, everybody, that we can... We can pray first. Amen, everybody? Amen. And here's what I promise. I want to just give you a few thoughts. Of if, if, if you do, the first thing you'll do, if you'll, if you'll pray first, what you, what's going to happen is you're going to step into God's reality, God, God's place. This is important because a lot of people think prayer is bringing God down. No, no, no. It's you going up. He has seated, Ephesians says, has seated us together with him in heavenly places one of the best things you can do is get out of your reality stop informing god of your reality let god inform you of his reality it's not about aligning god with my needs it's about me aligning myself with his reality on which is on on earth as it is in heaven i, I, I need some heavenly realities 
Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, and nothing is too difficult for you. There's nothing too hard for you. That, that prayer puts you back in that place. Several years ago, my dad, who's my best friend, uh, best man in my wedding, um, on staff with us at the church, got a cancerous tumor on the side of his head the size of my fist, like you, just giant right here. It just popped up out of nowhere. Wasn't in his brain. It was on the outside of his skull, but it was eating into the skull. So they did surgery. They did a surgery where they cut his, started right here, and, and, went, and just made a giant C on his face. Pulled this back like a flap and took the tumor off. And we met with the doctor afterwards. He said, well, I got good news and bad news. He says, the bad, good news is he's going to live. We got it all. Bad news is, is that it wasn't just there. It had gone into where his, his jaw was because that's where more blood supply was, and that's what feeds cancer. He says, so it, it was all in his face. And he says, so we had to take out all the nerves and muscles, everything out of his face. His face is gone. We took fat from his side, packed it in there, and shut the flap back. Good news is he'll live. Bad news is he won't be able to eat, smile, talk, you know, just, but kind of one of those, praise God. I mean, it's not really sure, you know, one of those reports. And so that happened in the last part of the day, and they kept dad in ICU all night. They didn't have visiting hours for like 9 or 10 o'clock the next day. I couldn't wait. And I'm a pastor, so I didn't tell him I was his son. I just went and said, I'm his pastor. And they'll, they'll let you in, you know, even outside of visiting. They can't keep a preacher out. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they ain't got to know everything, you know. So anyway, so. So I go in there like 6 a.m. the next morning. And my dad's sitting up in the bed eating scrambled eggs. I'm like, well, Dad. That's... I said, Dad. He said, what? I said, well, you're talking. He says, of course I'm talking. I said, well, the doctors, see, he hadn't been informed of the earth's realities yet. He said, well, I said, well the doctor said you can't, you're not going to be able to talk, eat, or smile. He goes, oh, I can smile. And he went, and, and, and I, got, I said, hold that face. And I, and I got my phone out and took a picture. I brought it for you. This is the actual picture. That's the, that's the pic. And I see you the next morning. So I sent it to the doctor who goes to our church. He had three surgeons in that room. He said, Chris, I'm telling you, we know what we took out of his face. He can't do that. I said, well, look at this picture. And the hospital declared him a medical miracle. They said, we don't have an explanation because we know what we took out. I'm telling you, when you pray, when you seek God, God wants to bring you into another reality, everybody. I got more to this message, but I feel like closing right there. I really do. I feel, I feel like just stopping right there, and there's somebody who's faced with a reality that earth's reality says it's impossible, that God stands up and says nothing is too difficult for me. In fact, if that's you, I want you to stand up on your feet right there where you are. Wherever you are, just stand up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Come on, you want to come in agreement? Let's do it right now. You're faced with a reality. There's no way out. There's no escape. We're going to pray right now. I want you to lift up both hands, not to me, but to heaven, where your help comes from. And Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and agree with every person here at People's Church who's faced with a situation that seems so impossible. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give them the kind of faith that you're looking for where they always pray and never give up. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd begin to turn it. Lord, let their faith be stirred. And no matter what, God, we're going to put our hope in you, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said a good. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise, everybody.
Pray first. So when I taught this first to our church, I'm going to close with this. I, um, I just wanted people to pray first. I didn't need a long prayer. If it was a sentence, pray first. Before you go to work, pray first. Before you have an appointment, pray first. Before your kids leave the house, pray first. Before you, whatever you do, just take one second, pray first. So I, ha- I made these little rubber bracelets. And guess what it says? Anybody want to take a guess what it says? <laughs> You're such a smart group of people. My church is like, uh. So, so I, so I had a bunch, I had 5,000 made for people's church. I brought them here for you today. So I've got, they're for you on the way out. I want you to grab one. And now one, we had, we had, we had a guy from Oklahoma City Thunder here in the last service, and he took like a fistful and says he's giving it to Durant and the rest of the team. Now don't do that. Don't take them all, guys. We got, we got other services. Y'all got like 47 services on a Sunday. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Got to preach all day long here anyway, so. But I have one. It's my gift to you. It's just my gift to you. I want you to, and I just want, you don't have to wear it forever. Wear it until it becomes a habit again. Wear it until it becomes a habit again. Bow your heads in prayer.